Well, howdy, Loami Christian Church. Uh, no, I am not Pastor Anthony. We share a similar haircut, but uh, my name is Bobby Williams, and I'm the lead pastor at the Ridge Church in East Tennessee. We have a couple of locations uh, around the area in Oak Ridge and Clinton, and I also get to work with a company called Church Fuel, where I am the community director, and this is how I've been able to get to know your pastor, Pastor Anthony, over the last couple of years. And uh, let me just tell you, his GIF game is strong on Twitter. Uh, we, uh, we have a good time going back and forth there, uh, but I've had an opportunity to get to know Pastor Anthony uh, a little bit over the last year or so, and I'm thankful for his leadership and for his friendship, uh, as I am sure that you are uh, as well. Let me just say this, Loami, you, you are in great hands uh, being led by Pastor Anthony. So, uh, thank you for letting me come today and, and share with you from the Bible. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to do so. And I'm excited today uh, to share a message with you of hope and encouragement as we open the Bible together. So without any further ado, let's dive into the Bible together. Uh, but before we do that, I would love for you to pray with me. Father, uh, we are so grateful and thankful uh, for your presence with us and amongst us today. God, I pray for uh, anybody who is watching or listening to this message, uh, God, that you just move in a miraculous way. God, that you fill them with courage, that you fill them with hope and faith, Father, and that you do what only you can do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm excited and I'm super excited to just open the Bible here together. But uh, I don't know about you, but I am a big fan of comedies. And I'm a big fan of comedies because the suspense and horror movies, honestly, they just kind of stress me out. Uh, you know, you have those parts in suspense and horror movies where, you know, the music builds and, and you just know that somebody's coming out of a closet, right? Somebody's coming out from a behind a corner. There's going to be a jump scene and then bam, right? I've, I've peed my pants, right? Like, like that, that scare moment happens and, and it, just, it just stresses me out. And so I enjoy the comedy movies because I just get to laugh and, and hang out. But when you're watching like a, a suspense or horror movie, like if you've seen it before and you're watching it again, like it's okay. It's like you're not going to jump because you know that it's coming. And it's almost even more fun sometimes to sit and watch it with other people because you're waiting to see them jump. You're not going to jump because you know that that thing that they don't see coming, you know that it's about to happen. You know that that jump is going to happen. You know that that scare is going to happen. And so we just kind of sit and we watch and we, we wait uh, for that to happen so we can see their reaction. Wouldn't it be nice if life was kind of that way? Like, wouldn't it be nice if in life, like, we knew when trouble was coming? Like, we could almost schedule that thing that normally we wouldn't see coming, 
that we could actually schedule it. Like we wake up in the morning, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and, and one of the first things that I do is I open up my calendar app and I look at it and I say, okay, here's what's on the schedule today. Like, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if that thing that normally we don't see coming, that, that trouble that happens, that suffering that happens, that hurt and that pain that we experience in life, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just schedule it like if we knew it was right there on the calendar and we knew that it was that it was going to happen that we knew that today life was going to be tough that maybe we knew that that thing that we've been hoping and praying and asking for wasn't going to work out or wouldn't it be amazing if we just already knew that that you know what today today is the day that I'm going to lose my job and so I'm I'm prepared for it to happen or wouldn't it be amazing to be able to look on the calendar and see that, you know what, today, today's the day that that relationship hits a tough spot. Today is that day that, that the marriage falls apart or begins to crumble. Well, we've determined that it's not if life gives us trouble. We, we know this. If you've lived long enough, we know this. Kids, if you're in the room watching this, this is something that, that we're all going to experience at some point. But we know that it's not if life gives us trouble, it's when life gives us trouble. In fact, Jesus told us this, right? Jesus reminds us of this very true fact of life. He told us, he said, in this world, that means the world that you and I live in, in this world you will have, not might have, not maybe, not if this and that and that happens, but he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And so it's not if, it's when. But I love what Jesus says after that, right? He says, he says yes, it's a fact. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so this morning, I want to take you to the Old Testament today and, and to the book of Job. And so if you have a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and, and turn to the book of Job. We're going to look at a couple of different passages of Scripture from the story of Job. And so we're going to kind of pull out 30,000 foot view of, of the story of Job. And so let me just set this up for you uh, contextually so you understand what's happening. The book of Job is honestly um, one of those books that when I read it, especially the first couple of times that I read it as a Christ follower, honestly bothered me a little bit. And I'll tell you why it bothers me. Is Job chapter 1 starts off with this picture of Job. And it says, Job was an upright, uh, righteous man. And, and that's just Bible speak for this is a, a pretty good guy. Like he honored God with his life. And what we also learn about Job is that Job was wealthy. Uh, he had a lot of land. He had a lot of livestock. In fact, he had a, a large family as well. And so here's the part like that, that doesn't bother me. That's amazing. That's great. But here's the part that bothers me is in Job chapter 1, we see a conversation between God and Satan take place. 
It's like God is almost admiring uh, Job and Satan comes along and Satan and God have this conversation about Job. That bothers me. I don't know if that bothers you or not, but that bothers me because I'm thinking, is God and Satan having a conversation about me and what is the outcome of that going to be like? But this is what it says. It says that that as God and Satan have this conversation, uh, conversation, God says to Satan, he says, hey, have you considered my man Job? Like, look at him. He is, he, he loves me. He honors me. He worships me. And Satan replies back to God. He says, well, it's no doubt that he loves you and worships you. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here from Job chapter one. He says, it's no doubt that he loves you and worships you. You've protected all that he has. But I bet, I bet that if you were to take those things away from him that you have blessed him with, I bet he would curse you. And again, this is another part that bothers me. God says to Satan, he says, go ahead. Go ahead, do what you want to him. Just don't hurt him, but do what you want to him. And so as we read, what we find out is that some um, just unbelievable tragedies happen in the life of Job. He loses all of his livestock. He loses all of his land and all of his wealth. And he loses his children. He loses his children. And so there's this immense suffering and pain that Job begins to go through. But even in that, even in that moment, Job does not curse God. Job worships God in that moment. But it's not through pain and it's not, or it's not without pain and it's not without suffering, but he, he worships. And then God and Satan have another conversation and God says, see, I told you. And Satan says, yeah, but I bet if I could strike him with illness, pestilence, I bet he would curse you then. And this is what happens next. But yet, even in that, Job worships God. And again, it's not without pain. It's not without suffering. It's, it's just this amazing, just a, a amazing scene that takes place. And so I, wanna, I want you to look at Job chapter 23, uh, one verse here, and we'll look at a couple of others in a moment. But Job 23, verse 10, it says, it says this. These are the words of Job himself. He says, but... But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Wow. Can we just read that again? He says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Now, I don't know about you, but I typically have not looked at my own pain and suffering that way. When I get hit with what I didn't see coming, I don't typically look at it that way and say, as I go through this pain, as I go through this suffering, as I go through this, this moment of trouble in my life, when I get out on the other side, I'm going to come out as gold. We don't look at our suffering like this, do we? Oftentimes, oftentimes what we do is we tend to ask this question, God, why me? God, why, why are you doing this? But let me, let me propose this to us this morning. What if we were able, when we get hit with that thing that we didn't see coming, when we get hit with that trouble, when we run into pain, when we run into suffering, what if we were able to turn our tragedies into triumphs through holding on to Jesus? 
Because here's what I've come to learn. When we go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we find ourselves in that spot of trouble, here's what I've come to learn, that we can either grow to be bitter or we can grow to be better. Church, listen, I, we, we need to learn how to suffer well. We need to learn how to suffer well because the world is watching how we react when we get hit with what we didn't see coming. The world is watching us. And if we get better, listen, if we get better, Jesus wins. But if we get bitter, we repel people from Jesus. We repel people from Jesus. But here's what I want to talk to us about this morning. What happens in the middle of that? What happens in the middle from that moment when we get hit with that trouble, when we get hit with what we didn't see coming, to being able to come out as gold? What is happening there in the middle? The part between didn't see it coming and making it to the other side. The part between trouble and I have overcome the world. What is happening there in the middle? I want to talk to you today about the messy middle. It's the gap between getting hit with what you didn't see coming and coming out on the other side. It's the the messy middle. What is God doing in the messy middle between the trouble and the overcoming? And so again, we're going to look at a couple of different passages there from uh, the book of Job and uh, some stuff from the Apostle Paul. But Job, Job, yes, he suffered. He did suffer. He experienced pain. He experienced trouble. He experienced things that maybe many of us may not experience in our own lives. But what we learn from Job is we learn to suffer well. Because in his suffering, he got better. Now, he wrestled with being bitter, but he got better. And it points us to goodness, to the goodness of God that surrounds us in the middle of our trouble. In fact, I want you to flip down a couple of chapters in the book of Job to look at Job 42 verse 2. It says this. These are the words of Job. Job says this. He says, I know that you can do all things. He could have put a period right there and that would have been enough for us to say amen, right? But the question is, here's the question. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Job says, I know that you can do all things. And he says, and that no purpose of yours can be stopped. I know that you you can do all things, but no purpose of yours can be stopped. And so I want to share with you today what God is doing in the messy middle and how suffering has two great benefits. Yes, that's right. I said benefits. Suffering has benefits. And there are more than two benefits when it comes to suffering. But to to be brief, uh, I just want to share two with you this morning. And um, I, look, I, nobody has ever complained about a short sermon. So let's dive into this together. When we suffer well, when we suffer well, number one, if you take notes, write this down. When we suffer well, we are being made holy. We are being, if you want to use a church word, we are being sanctified. And so as you read about Job, what you see all throughout the book of Job in his story and narrative is that you see how God is shaping Job. Now, 
outside of Job. We could look at lots of different people and characters throughout the scriptures to see how God would shape people through suffering. Uh, One that really sticks out that uh, many of us are familiar with would be the Apostle Paul. Paul was another person in the Bible that we can see who suffered well. And, And so how did Paul suffer? Well, we look at, at his story and we see uh, how Paul was shipwrecked. We see how Paul was lost at sea. We see how he was beaten on multiple occasions, tossed into prison. We see how he faced many different dangers. And oh yeah, by the way, there was that time that he got bit by a snake. And I don't know about you, but at that point, listen, I don't do snakes. I'm out, right? Not Paul. He just keeps on going and God keeps on shaping him. In fact, Paul says this uh, as, as, as he is being shaped by God and as he's looking at all of these things that has happened to him, instead of him getting bitter about those things, this is what Paul says. He says, all of these things have served to advance the gospel. And what Paul means by that is he is saying that being shipwrecked, being lost at sea, beaten, put into prison, even bitten by a snake, like all of these things have done nothing but have shaped me, have have made me into the image of Jesus and have helped me advance the gospel. And what God did is God used Paul in a mighty, mighty way, sanctified him and formed him into the image of himself. You see, church, we have to understand that God often does a work in us before He does a work through us. Let me say that again. God often does a work in us before He does a work through us. And sanctification, it's just the forming into the likeness of Christ. It's a shaping and forming, if you will. Think about, uh, if we go back to Job 23, think about what we read there in Job 23 earlier. Job said this, he said that when he has tried me, in other words, when I've gone through pain and suffering and turmoil, when he has tried me, Job said, I will come out as gold. Now, I don't know if you understand the refining process of gold, if you've looked into that, if you've heard about that or not, but it is actually not pretty. It is not pretty at all. In fact, it's actually violent, using extreme heat to remove impurities. And and then there's the the shaping in the refining of gold, the molding and, and sometimes crushing process to turn that gold into something beautiful like jewelry. Have you ever asked this question? Have you ever asked God, God, what are you what are you doing to me? When we experience pain and suffering and turmoil, have you ever asked the question, God, what are you doing to me? What if, what if we asked instead, God, God, what are you doing in me? Not, God, what are you doing to me? But God, what are you doing in me? Can you imagine how your perspective of what is happening to you, what is happening in you, what God is doing, how He is shaping and molding and making you into His image. Could you imagine how that perspective changes when we start asking, God, what are you doing in me? The Apostle Paul, speaking of him, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he, he writes this and he says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being 
transformed. If you highlight, underline things in your Bible, underline the word transformed. He says, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, Paul, Paul, he gets it. Maybe, maybe better than anyone, he gets that we are being made into the image of God. John Calvin, uh, writer, theologian, pastor, uh, reformer from, from many, many years ago, John Calvin once said, he said that everything passes through the hand of God. You see, the glory of that means that, that nothing has happened to you that is surprising to God. Like, there is nothing that happens to me. There is nothing that happens to you. There is nothing that happens to us that is going to, to ever surprise God, meaning that everything can and will be used for God's glory and our good. That's right, I said that. God's glory and our good, even suffering. That trouble that Jesus said was coming. In that, we find comfort that, that God is still God, and God is still good. Years ago, I had a friend, his name was Zach. Uh, Zach was on staff at another church, and I'd met Zach through some mutual friends, and I got to know Zach's story. Uh, Zach had, um, had brain cancer, and Zach went through many, many uh, months of pain and, and suffering uh, dealing with this brain tumor. And there was a moment where Zach was told, hey, the, the cancer is gone. You're in remission. You are, you are healing. And so there was this great moment of celebration, but it only lasted for a moment. It would be several weeks later that Zach would learn that his tumor had come back and it had come back aggressively. The doctors actually missed something. They misdiagnosed his remission. And so then again, it became great pain and suffering, but Zach went downhill very quickly from that moment. And Zach uh, would pass away just a few weeks after celebrating the fact that uh, he was told that he had been healed from his brain tumor. But before Zach passed away, Zach recorded some videos and, and, and did an interview for his church and really uh, just the, the kingdom of God. It was a, a huge blessing to me, but I'll never forget one of the things that Zach said. Zach said this as, as he talked about his own pain and suffering and how God was shaping and molding him. He said this, he said, whether, whether God heals me or doesn't isn't important. And he said, but I know this to be true that no matter what happens, God will always still be God, and God will always still be good. Wow. Wow. You see, you don't get to that place. You don't get to that moment in the middle of something like that and are able to say, God, you are still God. No matter what happens, if you don't heal me, God, you are still God. And God, if you don't heal me, you are still good. You never get to that place by, be, by getting bitter. You only get to that place by God making you better, shaping and molding you. And so that's number one. Finally, number two, I told you there'd be two things. Number two, number two, we learned this, that in suffering, the invisible is made visible. The invisible is made visible in suffering. You see, Paul, he reminds us that, that he, Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
You see, you and I, we image him, we image Jesus, and you and I as the church, we reflect Jesus to the world. Let me read you again, 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Listen, into the same image. What's that same image? Into that same image of Jesus. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to the other. It is in suffering where the church, listen, it is in suffering where the church must rise. We have right now, church, we have the greatest opportunity ever right here in front of us right now to image Jesus to a world that is watching. The world is watching us even right now in the middle of this pandemic. And even when we're not in a pandemic, because we are believers, the world is watching. And we can either show them bitterness or we can show them better. We can show them how God is shaping us and transforming us. You see, because bitter, listen, bitter, it repels people, but better, it draws people. Bitter repels people from Jesus. Better draws people to Jesus. And Jesus will be made visible. He will be made visible when we suffer well. Because in our suffering, we image God. You see, Jesus, He suffered to bring us into a saving relationship with God the Father. And Jesus, He suffered well. He didn't lash out in anger. He didn't call the armies of a thousand angels down to crush them, although he, he certainly could have. In fact, he forgave them and he had compassion on them as they crucified him. And when we suffer well, we image his suffering to the world. You know, I often think about when I think about suffering and this transformation that takes place, I think about uh, caterpillars. I don't know how often you think about caterpillars, but uh, it's something I actually think about quite often. And every time I see a caterpillar or I see a butterfly, I actually think about this. But uh, a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly doesn't just crawl into a cocoon one day, take a long nap, wake up, and is like, oh my gosh, look at these. I got these amazing wings. Like a caterpillar doesn't just, you know, easily transform into this beautiful butterfly. There is a transformation that takes place. And in fact, that transformation is, is violent and kind of gross and icky because what happens is, is a caterpillar crawls up into this cocoon, takes this hibernation, if you will. And, and in the middle of this cocoon, what is happening is, is a caterpillar is actually melting down. That's right, it is, it is melting down, wasting out, and it's the excrement and the waste and all of these things, all of those things crystallize, and that's where you get the beautiful butterfly wings. That's how a, a caterpillar essentially transforms into a butterfly. And so God takes something that starts out kind of ugly, right? This process that is ugly, and He transforms he transforms it into something beautiful through suffering. You see, suffering and trials are a gift that God intends for you to use and to use well. And so we should not waste those moments. You see, suffering can be a gift to image Jesus to a world full of others who are suffering.
So just to recap really quickly, God is, what's God doing in the messy middle? He is, he is shaping us. He is molding us. He is making us holy. And He is giving us an opportunity for the invisible to be made visible in the middle of our suffering. Church, I am so uh, hopeful uh, that, that this word is something that will sink down into your heart, that you will grow from, that you will learn from, that will encourage you, that will, that will fill you with hope, um, that, that when you suffer, when you experience pain, when you experience that trouble that Jesus said is coming. This is not to be like doom and gloom and to be like, oh my gosh, the, you know, trouble is coming. This is to prepare us for that moment. Or maybe you've been in that moment for a while now. Maybe this pandemic has, has been trying on your mental and emotional health. Maybe it's been stressing on your relationships or your marriage or uh, your career, or job or business or even your health. And you, you are experiencing a level of suffering. And, and listen, nobody can tell you, nobody can let say, you know what, your suffering is it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to you. But my hope is, is that in the middle of that, or whenever it does come, that you'll start asking the question, God, what are you doing in me in this moment? How are you shaping me? How are you molding me? And how can I reflect you in this moment to a world full of others who are suffering? Church, I'm so glad that you let me open the Bible with you today and, and show you and, and just teach, teach you this morning. I hope, it, again, it's been hopeful and encouraging to you. Will you pray with me as we close? Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that it sinks down into our heart. God, that it brings forth fruit. God, and that when we experience pain and suffering and get hit with that thing that we just didn't see coming, God, that we, that we start asking, God, what are you doing in us? Not what are you doing to us? And God, that we will see how you are shaping and molding us and how we now have an opportunity to reflect you to a hurting and suffering world. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.